Welcome to Sincerely Two Imperfect Therapists, a podcast where we discuss boundaries, money stories, healing within relationships, the therapeutic process, social justice from both the therapist and the client perspective, and the nuances of the human condition. While we may not have all the answers, we use our expertise and personal experiences to guide our discussions that we hope spark curiosity and reflection within yourself. Please note, this is a podcast that's not intended for supervision, therapy, or guidance for your individual needs. Rather, we intend to raise awareness on important topics. We do our best to provide content warnings, though if any topics are upsetting to you, please seek local emergency support. Hi, everyone. Just as a reminder, we'd love if you could rate, review, subscribe, hit that follow button on Spotify or wherever you'd like to listen, as it certainly helps out the show. And on to the show. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I don't sound that congested this week. Yeah, you definitely sound better. I think our quality, obviously, we're yes. back in person. So <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, if you made it all the way through last week's episode, we greatly appreciate you, our number one fans. Yes. Because we understand that um, the quality sounded like we were in a tin can. Mm-hmm. Um, but I promise that we got microphones for the events that we need right. to um, go back virtually for whatever reason. Um, but I'm glad that you're feeling better. Yes, thank you. I'm I'm glad too. That was horrendous. Uh, yeah, it sounded horrendous. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, the chances. Of course, I'd get COVID while pregnant. Like, yeah. why wouldn't that happen? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Awful. Well, you're here. You survived. I'm glad. Yes. That you made it. You took your necessary precautions, which I'm glad of, and you're back yeah. to it. Um. So today we are talking a little bit about uh, trusting your gut and kind of knowing some of the differences between our um, gut, our instincts versus anxiety. Mm -hmm. And I know that this kind of came from something that you were thinking about. So I'll let you kind of lead us into that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, this actually came up in my group. So I started a group on um, helping individuals kind of identify red versus green flags um, and all of the ins and outs of what goes into having a healthy relationships. Um, so I started with, um, a, you know, introducing what attachment is um, and how that absolutely um, impacts how we relate to other people and how we conceptualize our relationships. And one question that came up a lot was, how do I know if it's my gut feeling telling me that someone is off or if it's my anxiety that's, you know, telling me that someone's off? Um, and so I, I have to admit that I kind of, I did try to explain the best that I could. And even so throughout the week, I found myself still trying to mm-hmm. wrap my head around the, like that question. Yeah. And so I figured like, this would be good to talk about because oftentimes, like sometimes when I hear you reflect back what I said, I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's where I was going or that's not where I was going with it. And so I I thought this would be a good place yeah. to talk about it. Yeah. Um, I think that just, mm-hmm. sorry, for starters, I think that that's a beautiful example of not always having all the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, that sometimes our clients present us with questions that even make us scratch our heads sometimes. And yeah. Go, hmm, I, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> Let me yeah. get back to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't until this week that I had a conversation with a client um, that absolutely had to do with like healing from relational Um, trauma and how it's showing up in current relationships um, that I I guess what I came down to that I feel more confident about and I plan to bring it up to my group again is um, I think what threw me off is that it's not really 
I'm not sure if it's worrying about the anxiety per se, but about how your trauma is showing up. Right. Um, right. You know, so are you, is it your gut is telling you that this seemingly nice person has an ulterior motive or you don't know how to um, accept that somebody is going to love you the way that you deserve. Mm -hmm. And I think viewing it that way is a lot, I think, simpler than asking if it's your gut or your anxiety, because I think with your gut, it's a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I think that there is some worry that comes, right? Because when we have that gut feeling, I think every woman on the planet has had a gut feeling at some point, right? You feel your stomach sink, sure. the you know hairs on your arm and your back start like raising, mm-hmm. and it could happen from anything. From there was that random you know person in the parking lot that parked a little bit close to your car, and right. it's, it had just happens to be a white van. Yeah. Um, to <laughs> with blacked out windows. right with blacked <laughs> right. out windows. To, to something maybe like um, there was this person following you around in the store. Sure. Um, or somebody grand gesturing, like we grand talked gesturing. about in our narcissistic right. abuse cycle. Yes, episode. absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I think it really comes down to knowing your truth. So, you know, it is going to be easier to identify if someone's grand gesturing if you know what grand gesturing is. Sure. And if you know the dynamic that follows and if you're starting to recognize certain things. But one thing that I often find is that all of my clients have always had a gut feeling Hmm. they've always had it it's been other people that have either systematically that have systematically broken down their trust in themselves and will gaslight them and call them crazy for their gut feeling or calling them impulsive for acting on their gut feeling and when you hear enough that you're crazy or that you're wrong you start to believe it right I I think that it's such an interesting con- uh, conversation in the context of trauma because a lot of times, especially in early childhood trauma, we see this where people have been taught to not trust their bodies yes, and their instincts. So I had this conversation recently with um, someone who we were talking a little bit about um, knowing, knowing whether they're the problem or some or the people that they're relating to are Mm -hmm. the problem essentially that's like a really simplified way of putting it and I know that it's not a one for one kind of thing like it takes two but we are ultimately talking a little bit about how in early childhood there was this tendency to be doubted to be Mm -hmm. to to have these gut reactions of this doesn't feel good and then to be told you're fine you're mm-hmm. overreacting. Yep. You are making this all up. It's all in your head. You're okay. Right. And what they were taught is that their their gut reactions, their bodily response, res- we can't talk today. <laughs> their bodily responses uh, were not to be trusted. Yes. That they can't trust themselves to know how, what they're feeling mm-hmm. and how they're feeling. And so that's led into future relationships where people are experiencing this distrust in themselves. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we get into this trauma conversation of it's not as black and white as of, is this my anxiety or is this my gut? Right. That it's kind of hard to separate the two in a way yeah. that like it really comes down to just being able to trust your body, right? Yes. Just being able to trust yourself. Can you trust that you know how to make the, the right and appropriate choice for yourself? And 
trusting yourself to get through it if you make a choice that isn't yes, the best outcome. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that's that's the one that I think keeps a lot of people from acting on their gut is what if I'm wrong? Right. And I, I specifically remember saying this in my group and what if you are, you know, do you have the skills? Do you have the tools to be able to repair? Because that will also show you a lot about the type of relationship that you're in is if right. you have the ability to repair, right. you know, and, and saying to someone, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. This doesn't actually makes me feel comfortable and, you know, stand by your truth. Cause in the moment that is what you're feeling, whether mm-hmm. it's trauma or whether it's a gut, like a true and true gut feeling, that is what you're experiencing. It's what you're feeling. Right. right. It's, it's what you're feeling. Your it's trusting right. your body. And so I'm glad that you, I, I'm glad that you mentioned that because yes, I think it absolutely has to do with how we were told we could respond to mm-hmm. our body, right? Everybody, um, has different instinctual responses for different things. Some people will fight in one um, situation, but will freeze in another. Mm-hmm. Some people will engage in flight while submit in another. Mm-hmm. And so it's, I, I think that when we think about the gut feeling, I think that that's important to know is what is your gut telling you? Is it, what, what's it telling you to do? Sure. You know, and that it's think, okay to follow that reflex. Right. I think that that's, interesting right that 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 gut feeling isn't necessarily separate from anxiety the Mm -hmm. gut feeling is about paying attention to our internal bodily experience getting out of our heads yes and into our body to really notice what is my intuitive nature here Mm -hmm. with what I'm facing whatever the reason honestly doesn't quite matter Mm mm-hmm But we can then decide, once we're noticing what's happening with it, we can then decide how to move forward. So absolutely, let's say you're headed into a first date and Mm -hmm. your stomach is all topsy-turvy, you're really nervous, you're scared, and you're asking yourself, like, is this my anxiety or is this my my gut telling me that something's not right? Like, I met this person on the internet, maybe they're not safe. Yeah. Um, So is it my, just, I'm anxious, I have, like, first date nerves? Mm -hmm. Or is it my gut Mm -hmm. intuition? And I think ultimately the reason doesn't necessarily matter yeah. if we're in our bodies and we're thinking about how what we're feeling, mm-hmm. that there is a sense of, of having to trust what we can do with that yeah. and to regulate and to, um, I guess what I mean by like it doesn't really matter is you have to then decide for yourself regardless, like... are you going to push through right and see what happens Mm -hmm. or are you going to turn away from this opportunity and I'm wondering what your thoughts like if somebody proposes it to you in that way of like gosh I eat it like I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting to go into the state my stomach's all topsy-turvy like is it my gut telling me not to go because it's unsafe or is it my just my anxiety and I'm just feeling nervous yeah. I mean, I would have that person again, right? Lean, sure. lean into the emotion. One, my biggest thing with my clients is, and I, we actually talked about this a little bit before we got on um, on the podcast, is letting clients know that it's okay to have negative, what, what some people call negative emotions, like the feeling of anxiety, right? We know anxiety mm-hmm. doesn't feel good, right. but letting ourselves have it. Why are we having it? Let's be mindful, right? Be aware of what's happening and accept that it's happening from a non-judgmental stance. Mm-hmm. So you're not sure, right? 
well, what's a couple things that we can do? Well, we can go get out of the car and enter the restaurant and see how you're feeling inside the restaurant. Right. Um, And let's say you find the person, you sit down and you guys start talking and the person is, you know, saying things, but you're noticing that you're not liking what's what you're hearing. Mm -hmm. Well, then at that point, your gut was probably right and we can do something about it. I say this often also with my clients that I specifically work with recovering from narcissistic abuse. I say it is not your job to scan constantly for red flags. But it is your responsibility to acknowledge when you see one. Mm-hmm. You you can't control if someone wants to put on a mask. How the hell would you know? You don't know. Right. Right. And a lot of people are really good at it. Um, narcissists right. in particular literally make a craft and an art form out of mask. Like right. making, you know, having one. So all that you can do is continue to go with the motions until your body's telling you, uh-uh, something's not right. Something's right. not safe. You got to go and honor that. And if it turns out that, you know, either the person was, I don't know, made a mistake, right? First dates, you get nervous, you say something, it might be the wrong thing. Um, Trust that you were true to yourself. And at the very least, you have that to fall back on, is that you didn't sacrifice yourself or your feelings to accommodate the feelings of someone else. And, and, I want to elaborate on that because I'm not saying like don't care about anybody else's feelings. That's not what I'm saying. Um, But what I am saying is that oftentimes I see a lot of survivors with the shame and guilt and it always comes down to, well, why didn't I just listen to myself? Mm. That will eliminate that. You know, it's okay to honor yourself. If the person is the right person or a good person, they're going to allow room for repair. And then my fo- my other follow-up question is, who told you that you weren't allowed to be forgiven? Who told you that you couldn't make mistakes? Right. And it always comes down to childhood. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Like, never ends. Yep. yep. Yeah. It's, I think, and I think that that's where this conversation starts, really, is right. in childhood, right? Absolutely. That when we have people who are anxious or people who have experienced trauma and are struggling to kind of face this question of like is this like my gut intuition Mm -hmm. and instinct or is this just kind of my anxiety voice that's telling me that like everything bad is going to happen right um which we know can be like a really nagging Mm -hmm. and unhelpful voice yes um that often it comes from that invalidation in childhood of like no I'm your parent I know best I know what's best for you (laughs) even though you're in your body I know Mm -hmm. that you're fine and dust yourself off and it's just a scrape and don't worry about it Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that parents can't reassure their kids and say like oh you're you're okay it's okay it's okay but there's a difference between you're making a big deal about that stop crying right don't worry about it or it's not a problem or you survived or there's worse things off in this world or um, kind of those invalidating statements versus like a reassurance of like, you're okay, you survived. It's okay. You just fell yep. off your bike. Like I've got you. I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Everything's okay. You're safe. Right. Let's cry it out. Right. It's scary. That was really scary. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's a validating response versus Absolutely. like this invalidating. And so I think it, it does, it all comes back to, to childhood. And I hate to be on that like train of it's your parents, but well, we are trauma well. therapists. So <laughs> it's kind of like part of our starter yeah. pack. <laughs> like a t-shirt with that, like literally your parents. Um, but it it ultimately kind of dysregulates our ability to be in touch with that intuitive, like, natural sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where we differentiate. So when we get back to this question of, like, 
sitting before a restaurant and like, mm-hmm. is this my anxiety? Is this my gut? But what we're talking about it, it is it, it is all your gut, yes. right? That what we're the the actual question is, is this my anxiety or am I facing a real threat? Mm-hmm. Right? Not is it my gut? Like, am I right. facing a real threat? Because your gut is actually going to be what, the one that tells you like. Mm, no you're just nervous right or right yeah no this guy's actually a skeef bag who's mm-hmm. like gonna hurt you yeah um and being able to trust that and having forgiveness for ourselves like you said yeah if we make a misjudgment yeah absolutely yeah, yeah absolutely. I think that that's such a a great point that you made I yeah love that um and I think I mean where I see this a lot with people is generally people who tend to be in their heads, right? Mm-hmm. So I work with a lot of people who are intellectualizers and in their heads. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering for you what that's like kind of when you have people coming into your office and they're in their heads and they're like not actually paying attention to their guts. They're asking or talking about their gut instinct. Like, I don't know what to do. I can't trust myself. Mm-hmm. But they're not in their bodies. Like they're trying to like plug this into a spreadsheet algorithm that's going to give them the right answer of what to do Um, and it puts them in a place of paralysis I'm wondering Mm -hmm. how you work with that if you see it yeah um I do I have I have a split I have a couple of intellectualizers and I have a couple of people who they just need to taper down on their emotional mind Mm. and they would they're they're gonna have it they got it um, so with my intellectualizers, I always introduce wise mind. Hmm. Um, that is the first skill. Like as soon as I see it, I, that's what I introduce. And I say, yeah, your intellect has probably saved you from a lot of situations. Being observant is absolutely helpful. Mm-hmm. When we only make decisions under emotion, we tend to make them under impulse. And that has not felt safe. Let me tell you why it doesn't have to be in that extreme. Mm-hmm. And I often give the example of the reason why it's so important to listen to our body is think about when you were a kid and I know every parent probably told their kid, do not touch the hot stove, but we were kids and we wanted to do whatever the hell we wanted to do. And we went ahead and we touched the hot stove. You didn't say, oh, geez, Christ, um, this is getting really hot. Maybe at some point I should remove my hand. You didn't sit there and you thought about it. Your body reacted first. Right. You removed your hand immediately and said, ouch, that hurts. And you probably somewhere said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lock that in that I should never do that again. Right. And so I, with my intellectualizers, I say it's, it's basically that is you can try to say that you have no emotion about it. But what's really happening is you're just trying to stifle it. The more you stifle an emotion, the higher your anxiety is going to be. Because your anxiety is really just telling you that you're not feeling an adequate amount of emotion on something. It's telling you that something in your element is out of place. Yeah. Um, so I mean, that's how I help my clients start getting into it. And usually when they start explaining, I stop them and I said, mm, I'm more interested in how you felt about it. I love when I, when yes. I see that and I'm like working with that. Right. Like, and I have them pause and I say, okay, let's tease this out because I think another part of it is how much of this is also that people do not have an expansive emotive vocabulary where they go mm-hmm. instantly to anxious. I think about this, I, a session I just had where the client was like, it's like anxiety, but a good kind. So I said, so excitement, anticipation, anticipation, <laughs> excitement. No, it's like, anxi- no, it doesn't have to be anxiety just because you have a little bit of a rapid heartbeat. But if you're looking mm-hmm. forward to something, you can also experience that with excitement and anticipation. I always, 
<laughs> so I love working with people to try to get out of their heads. And I take, I mean, I bring a lot of humor into session mm-hmm. and whatnot. And so, um, I mean, I love the question that you brought up of just like, no, no, that's, yeah, that's what you think or thought about the situation. I'm wondering what you feel about the situation or, right. what, or what do you feel that towards that person? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that they're stupid. That's what you think. What, what do you feel? Um, but something else that I find really helpful <laughs> that I joke with people about that made me laugh when I was listening to you um, is that people will, you know, say like, oh, um, how did you feel about X, Y, Z? Bad. Well, I felt bad. Okay. Hamburgers are bad. Yeah. <laughs> Hamburgers are bad. Can we use an emotion to describe how you right. felt? And usually like my hint of sarcasm and just kind of joking with them lightens them up a little yes. bit because a lot of times that emotion feels so heavy and uncomfortable mm-hmm. for them that it feels that it feels unsafe. And we want to like work our way towards safety and so I find that humor is a way to kind of increase and ease some of that to allow there to be at least some sense of safety like okay we can talk about emotions in kind of a humorous ridiculous way and maybe Mm -hmm. poke fun at them sometimes like not at our clients necessarily but like poke fun at the emotions in a way like I will often I have a very dry and like sarcastic sense of humor so I'll often you know make a joke that like don't make me get out my emotions wheel (laughs) you know they'll laugh and I'll do like a very like dramatic eye roll and you know I have that rapport with people yeah, where they course. come in and they kind of read off of that but it's um helping them get back into their bodies and mm-hmm. naming that emotional experience is really it's a delightful challenge for me um but I find that those people really really do struggle and it makes sense but they struggle to to be with that gut mm-hmm. and the the, and this goes along with anxiety, but that acceptance of uncertainty, even yeah. in our own decision, mm-hmm. right? That um, that we don't know everything that's going to happen. We can't predict everything that's going to happen. And so a lot of like my approach too with that is bringing them out of this black and white thinking right so again it's not your gut versus your anxiety right it's just being in tune with yourself Mm -hmm. it's just being in tune with your body just being in tune with your your instincts and having trust in yourself to either make it through the really hard thing and a difficult decision that maybe didn't feel like it was the best in retrospect Mm -hmm. or trusting that you do actually know and you are able to make a healthy helpful decision yeah um i think that that's a lot of what i spend time doing because there's a lot of that black and white And I hear that even in that question of like, is it my anxiety or is it my gut? Yeah. I'm glad you phrased it that way, the black and white, because maybe that's why I was having such a hard time. Like I I did touch upon all of these points, but I couldn't get like an exact. And it's really that is that it's not separate. It's black. That was too black and white for something as complex as emotions. Right. I wanted to piggyback off of because. what intuition. Like intuition intuition. is not black and white. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. You mentioned something that reminded me. I, I just recently took um, a training with Robin Shapiro on ego state work. Mm-hmm. And she had, um, a therapist had asked, well, what do we do if the client is too in their head and doesn't know mm-hmm. how to acknowledge, you know, their emotions, doesn't know, you know, have a very extensive emotive vocabulary. And Robin said something that like was just like, oh, yeah, that's such an easy intervention. Why? Why don't we think to do that? Mm -hmm. And it's call on your therapist superpower. 
you can observe what's happening. If a client is describing something to you and you know, you, you can imagine the emotions that come up when a situation like that arises, maybe they just need a little help knowing that that's what that emotion is. Because mm-hmm. again, if they don't have emotive vocabulary, they don't right. know. Wow, it sounds like you felt really betrayed in that yes, moment. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Right. Exactly. That is call it like you see it. We talked about this, I think, last episode. I'm, yeah. you know, we're, I'm at least I'm very much a, if you see something, say something person, <laughs> yes. you know, that MTA. I am the MTA. That sign was, I'm sure, made for me. Um, or TSA. Yes, yeah. whatever yeah. it is. And and so it's it's so true. It's and I do find myself doing that with with some clients where mm-hmm. I'm just like, I wonder if mad is the word you're looking for, angry, maybe even a little bit flustered, frustrated. And I'll go ahead mm-hmm. and I name out a whole bunch of emotions. I'm like, let's pick one. Let's right. pick one what of these. What feels true to you? What feels true? Yes. And I think that that exercise, right? Even just like here's a mishmash of different mm-hmm. emotions that you could potentially f- be feeling. Is it A, B, C, D, or E, um, or all of the above? Right. Um, what that does is not only give them a range of emotions to pick from, but it allows them to then step into their bodies yes. and actually kind of go, hmm, which one am I feeling, or did I feel? That it's really that thoughtful process, right? That oftentimes people aren't just going to be like, well, I definitely felt angry, right? right. That when we're making the, those suggestions, the, they will, there'll be a pause of like, um, I mean, I think I felt angry, maybe a little bit frustrated. Yeah. Actually, you know what? I think I felt kind of shameful. Yes. Like, yes. yeah. My favorite is when I see clients like, oh, but it's just, it feels like there's more than one. And I'm like, wait, stop. Did you know that you can <laughs> feel more than one emotion at once? Wow. That comes from, um, you know, cultivating emotional maturity is mm-hmm. you can have more than one emotion at the same time. You can even have conflicting sensations with the emotion you're having. Mm-hmm. If you think about it, crying typically associated with sadness, except that people also cry when they're happy. People mm-hmm. also cry when they're mad. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I cry all the time. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's, it's that so often, sometimes I even reference, um, if you know, the inside out movie. Yes. Sometimes I reference, I was like, what happened when joy was trying to take over all of the emotions is eventually Mm -hmm. Riley broke down because Mm -hmm. you're not supposed to just have one emotion all the time. Also, Mm -hmm. I love how they like hinted at toxic positivity there in that movie. Yeah. Well, right. Well done. Phenomenal movie. If you haven't seen it and you're, also curious about like parts work mm-hmm. or you know ego states whatever yes. you know and it, it, go watch it yes it's Just so go, it's go good watch it. it's, it's really good yeah and and we saw that after like towards the end of the movies i think there were marbles right or like mm-hmm. little crystal. like little like balls yeah, like, yeah yeah um so they started having like multiple motions in one because mm-hmm. that's that is when you're your healthiest self it is okay to hold two truths and so i'm sorry i'm going to talk about my training again because it was just amazing mm-hmm. um there is this technique called the two-handed technique yes. oh my gosh oh, i love it i love the two-handed technique <laughs> please share us with yes us. That's yes what it is. so the two-handed technique i also loved it and really thought it was amazing because it also incorporates a little bit of a component in dbt and it's the idea of two truths yes. you know so yes um this part of you that is feeling this but also feeling this it's a great exercise yes. for people who are feeling maybe ambivalent yes. towards therapy or towards like emdr mm-hmm. or towards a decision so 
sorry. Go ahead. No, no, absolutely. Yeah. And and I think it also is really helpful for people who are ambivalent towards having emotions. Sure. It really helps. Like when I looked at it, I was like, oh my God, this is literally wise mind, mm-hmm. but as a body exercise. Mm-hmm. That is amazing. It's amazing. So to break it down just yes. a little bit, just very, very briefly, and I'm going to explain it in an EMDR context. Yes. Because obviously we're both EMDR therapists and that's when I first kind of learned of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially it's, and nobody can see me, but I'm like waving my hands back and forth <laughs> in front of myself like, like scales. A mm-hmm. Yeah, like a seesaw or like two two scales. Uh, but essentially it's, uh, you can have the client physically kind of mm-hmm. put their hands out and kind of, it's an imaginal kind of experience where we can suggest to clients to sit with these two conflicting pieces, right? right. So a lot of times I work with it with ambivalence. So mm-hmm. I'll use that as an example. Like you have a client who part of me really wants to do EMDR because I want to heal from my trauma. And the other part of me is really terrified about what could get opened and I don't really want to do it. And so it's, okay, let's sit with those two pieces and they will palms up kind of in this Mm -hmm. meditative hands open place. And we just sit with them. And I usually incorporate tapping or eye movements or some sort of bilateral stimulation with those and allow them to see how they feel. And we talk through like, well, gosh, like, one is feeling a little bit lighter and yep. heavier and mm-hmm. feels really dark and kind of, I don't know, like kind of gross. Like that side of my body just feels kind of gross right now. And I don't, yeah. I don't know, but this other one feels like really almost like a warm ball of light and, and I feel really hopeful. Mm-hmm. And so we can kind of see, and a lot of times we'll see like a physical change where like yes. their hands it's are move, like moving yes, in different so, directions, yes. like literal scales or a seesaw. Um, and it's really exciting to see that happen for people, but it helps people kind of conceptualize that two truths peace absolutely of like we can have that's why we're like the statement of like bittersweet or the Mm -hmm. term bittersweet comes from because we can both be like really sad and grieving something but also feel really excited and hopeful for like a change right that's usually used in like a transitional period like leaving college is bittersweet yes um transitioning jobs is bittersweet that's exciting and hopeful but it's also sad and you're leaving a part of right of your life yeah behind yeah Yeah. that was a beautiful explanation thank you well I'm glad that you brought it up because it's such a a powerful experience and again for clinicians you don't have to necessarily use that in Mm -hmm. the context of EMDR but it can just be kind of that imaginal in touch and again we're getting in tune and in in our bodies of really noticing how that feels Mm -hmm. with both emotions or decisions or um, just any sort of conflicting kind of experience Um, but I think that that brings a lot of obviously inner conflict for people especially black and white thinkers right right like when they think that it has to be one way or the other or that yes but it can be so relieving to be able to say and I feel like I say it a million times a week but two things can be true at the same time all the time I know we've said that 600 times in the last two minutes yep (laughs) but it's just such a important piece especially when we come back to this gut instinct or gut intuition or listening to our bodies like I can both be a little anxious for a first date mm-hmm. and feel maybe a little cautious. Right. Because I know that I'm a female. Mm-hmm. Who's, this is not true, but yeah, just yeah. in general, right? Like when I was in the dating scene. Right. I'm a single female who's in an unfamiliar town mm-hmm. at a new restaurant meeting somebody that I met on OkCupid. Okay, yeah. Which is what, how I met my husband. <laughs> Shout out. Um that I can hold both both of those yeah. and just be aware and in tune to the fact that, like part of this is just genuine first date nerves right and the other part of this is genuine like 
safety protective factors. So yeah. before we had hopped on, you had talked a little bit about fight, flight, freeze, or... Um, I like to use submit. The word fawn just doesn't sit right oh, with me. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to think of the word that you used because yeah. I, I always go fawn, but yeah. either way, um, I'm wondering if you can talk about that because that's kind of where we had talked before jumping on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it brings into this fact of like, okay, so this is my anxiety and this other part of this is this like really innate kind of animalistic reptile brained right like protective factor right absolutely and so fight you know all of those the, the four f's um mm-hmm. for for these purposes because listing them out it's a, it's yeah. a mouthful it's, a yeah, it's like a yeah. tongue twister yes exactly um when thinking about the four f's is yes i i think that it is people that have told us we can't trust Mm -hmm. our 4F instincts. At the same time, our 4F instincts can absolutely show up as a trauma response as Mm -hmm. well. And I think what it comes down to is just an acknowledgement of also the situation that we're currently in, um, what our body is actually feeling versus what our mind is telling us. Because Mm -hmm. I, and I, and I say this a lot to my clients, we cannot think our way out of trauma. We have to feel our way out of trauma. Um, And so I, you know, working with my clientele, it's often come, it often comes down to this question of, well, why did I react that way? Like, why didn't I just do this? In other situations, I would have just done this. My, my response, my go-to response is always your body put into gear what was going to help you get through that situation alive right right and that's the emphasis is alive because I think there is a lot of there there is a lot of shame and guilt that comes with an instinctual response because maybe it doesn't completely get you out of the clear and there's still some hurt that you have to deal from because of the way that your body reacted but the purpose is that, well, your body did get you here so that you can do the work to heal now. Mm-hmm. And who knows if you would have overthought if you would be here right now mm-hmm. talking to me about this. Um, I'm thinking of a client specific, but I'm not going to share sure. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I think that, that it's important to honor that our body will sometimes make decisions for us. Sure, sure. And I- that's okay. And I think that that's where, can I, can I share an example? Yeah. Um, so being in this field, I think most of us are familiar with sitting in crisis situations mm-hmm. and sitting with clients who are actively in crisis. Right. Um, and those are um, moments where we have to kind of move into action, right? So I, I've kind of always seen myself as somebody who can respond pretty effectively and quickly. Um, I've had other experiences in my life where like, okay, this is like super off topic, but it was tubing on the lake with my niece when I was Mm. um, at my parents' house um, one summer and she was really, really young. And she, of course, we both had life jackets on and whatnot, but um, the weight on the tube was, it was a flat tube. So the weight on the tube was a little um, wrongly distributed. And so Mm -hmm. the tube flipped and she was probably no more than like two. She couldn't swim. She was in her life jacket. Obviously she was really scared. The tube came up on top of us. um, And I just, my my body just like went into action mode and I just like scooped her out underneath and we like got up and she, and we just made it through. And now she tells the story like all the time. She loves it. Um, Because it was the time that Auntie Laura saved her. Um, (laughs) But I didn't, I didn't really save her, but whatever. Um, But, 
you know, in, in that kind of instance, right, I'm like, wow, I'm like really good at responding to crisis situations. Mm-hmm. And I sit with crisis all the time with my clients and you know, I'm really good in these moments and working in residential care, I faced a lot of different crises yeah. and I felt like I handled those pretty well, um, even though I tend to be a pretty anxious person. Mm. And yet there was a time when I was living in college um, in just kind of like the residential area surrounding my, my university and there was a fight that broke out outside my window mm. um, and it was horrifying. I mean, there was, it was pretty, a pretty violent, not just yeah. like a fist throwing and whatever. It was like really pretty violent. Um, and I remember calling 911. I don't know why my roommate didn't cause she's better at handling these things, these things than <laughs> I, um, but I called 911 and I was gagging on the phone. Um, just wow. like I, it was like an instinctual, just like I, right. and I was like, apologize because like, I'm so sorry. This isn't normally like what I do, but just all of that to say there are these kind of unexpected responses that our bodies have right so just when I thought that I was like good at handling crises Mm -hmm. I was faced with a situation that was seemingly for whatever reason much harder for me to see and respond to um and now of course my my roommates roast me about it like remember the time you (laughs) called 911 and couldn't stop gagging on the phone (laughs) thanks guys um but it's not having shame or beating ourselves right. up for the ways that we respond in those moments even if I had frozen and been like oh my god I don't know what to do mm-hmm. I can't beat myself up for that right? right that that we have to be able to know that we're doing the best that we can in those moments to try to survive or to do what we need to do and sometimes the ways that our bodies respond maybe don't logically make sense to us right right so my, another favorite example this has nothing to do with me but people who come in um and talk about um like anxiety tummy troubles yes there is a biological reason it doesn't make sense right we think about it and we're like why on earth would i you know need to go to the bathroom Mm -hmm. when i'm in a crisis right but if we think about like our biology and like animals Mm -hmm. it helps dispelling that right it helps us run faster it helps us move faster it helps us not feel like things are sloshing around in our stomach Right. right so it's not always the most upfront logical reason. And mm-hmm. I think not having shame around that. That was a quite the long-winded tangent. Um, <laughs> it was easy about, to follow. Thank yeah. you. About not having shame around those right. fight, flight, freeze, fawn responses. Mm-hmm. Um, but knowing that they are there for our survival. And I think that they that's, we talked about that with like dissociation too. Like it's, yes. it's what you needed to get thus far exactly doesn't mean that they're always convenient (laughs) right 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 and that's that's where I was getting at right like the yeah sometimes you are going to need to heal with you know from the decisions that your body made Mm -hmm. right so like okay so you didn't move and you know something happened and that you're you're still healing from that Mm -hmm. but what what would have happened if you had moved if you tried to run if you know you again Mm -hmm. you probably wouldn't be here to heal and and there's a lot of again the way grief shows up with trauma work, sure. it's so important to acknowledge that that's part of the work is that there is going to be grieving. There's going to be questions, right? We know right. that part of one of the stages of grief is that bargaining of like, well, if I could, if I could just, or, right. It, and, and I think that again, going back to that gut feeling is sometimes that gut feeling is also a little bit of our instinctual response is, mm-hmm you know, did this person start getting a little bit vague and, um, 
you know, not answering messages the way that they used to, but they had you come to this place really out of the way. Right. Right. Um, then they really pressured me to come to right, their home to their instead home of meeting instead, in public. Exactly. Right. They really pushed to pick me up at my house right. instead of me meeting them on the first date at the restaurant. Right. Right. You know, let's also think about context clues, guys. Like that can also really help um, if we can look at those and not gaslight ourselves the way other people have. We can acknowledge that that there's also very good reasons for the ways that we're feeling and that those feelings belong in the situation mm-hmm. as well. You know, and, and it's sad, but it's, you know, when you've been gaslit so many times into right. believing that what you're thinking is crazy, even though you have evidence for it, you start thinking that you are the problem. Right. Um, and, right. and very rarely, at least with my clients, when they come in and they tell me everything, I'm like, you're not crazy. Right. <laughs> like I have one client in particular where I have to remind her that at every session because she's having these very natural and appropriate reactions to the inappropriate actions of other people. Oh my goodness. That's so many of my conversations Mm -hmm. recently. And where we come to that first point that we had brought up about being taught, right? Like you said, gaslit, being taught that we can't trust ourselves, Mm -hmm. right? That it's Yes, it takes two. Some of this might be a right. little bit of you. So in the sense that like, what are we, what energy are we putting out? Right, right. Um, at the same time, being angry about, and I always go to the extreme, but I use clients, um, you know, like, so let me get this straight. Are you saying that if someone punched you in the face right now, <laughs> that you should just forgive them and, and you know, you should be better and less punchable. Right. <laughs> They're always like, no, are you kidding? And like, okay, so why are we doing that to ourselves in this situation and trying to justify or blame ourselves for someone else's crappy behavior? Mm-hmm. Like we should be pissed off about that. You right. have every right to be. And again, that's where we get into that, like trusting your fight or flight, like right. rather than trying to muster that and be like oh no I shouldn't fight back Mm -hmm. and that's not appropriate but like no like if somebody violates you like that you have every right to fight back but it's being taught that it wasn't that big of a deal I didn't hit you that hard right (laughs) my god yes um and that's just I mean I usually use that with my non-domestic violence clients because that actually has happened to them but usually in like just a exaggerated way to prove a point to my clients and kind of get them thinking about it um, but yeah, where they have been taught just to not trust that gut right. instinct, that gut knowing. Um, and I think, again, this conversation leads us into a place of, um, you had said, that like obviously our 4F trauma responses, mm-hmm. um, crisis responses um, can show up even in non-crisis mm-hmm. or non-trauma related situations. And I think, again, we and it's such a vague answer that I think all of the black and white thinkers are going to be rolling their eyes at because Mm -hmm. there is no singular way to determine. There is no spreadsheet to plug this into that's going to give you an output that you can then determine. But it's trusting, okay, is my urge to leave this parking lot right now before my first date Mm -hmm. because I'm actually in an outside threat or facing an outside threat? Or is this really just some of those normal, anxious 
first date, like, are they going to like me? Am I going to like them? What am I going to order? Is the food going to taste okay? What have you? Yes. I think there's also a lot of knowing yourself that can come for the black and white thinkers that are like, I I need more. Like, here's how I see it as well, because I thought that was a beautiful explanation. That's absolutely, we're not always going to, we're just not always going to know. It's, Mm -hmm. It's just kind of like also being giving us grace as yes. well yeah. I think that's so important yeah um I thought about a very personal example that I don't I don't mind sharing um I needed to have my maid of honor drive me to my wedding mm-hmm. um because I if I had gotten behind the wheel I may have not made it to the church mm-hmm. and literally all of the alarm bells so to speak, were popping up. But I knew that that wasn't about the person. It was absolutely about me. Um, And like my fear of, right, that self-sabotage. So like, wait a minute, this is actually happening. I'm actually like going to marry a good human being. And what's that going to be like? Are they going to change after a couple? And this is more solidifying than just a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship. And all of those thoughts came into my head. And I remember having told my maid of honor that. And she goes, she who is also a therapist and she said okay I hear you how are you gonna feel if you don't go Mm -hmm. and I said oh my god I'm gonna feel so horrible and part of leaning into your gut yes and your intuition in that moment is also looking at all other contexts yes that you said right that okay let me look at the past however many years that Mm -hmm. I've been with this person and use that to actually gauge whether this fight and flight response that I'm having right um needed right is is actually kind of accurate and necessary Mm -hmm. for this moment like am I actually entrapping myself in something really problematic um or is this just kind of again that more natural like oh my God, holy shit, I'm getting married and committing yes. myself to a whole person for my entire life. Right, <laughs> Which right. are very normal. Um, even if you love and are excited right, about that right, person. Right, right. Um, so being able to look at the other context, and I think that that's where we get into, even with mm-hmm. that first date example of like, has everything been okay up until this point? Right. And you're just like now outside the restaurant, you're like, okay, here's the moment. You're sitting outside the church. You're like, oh my God, okay, here we go. Yep. It It's taking in all all, all of those things that's yes. part of trusting your gut mm-hmm. is like look and not that you have to like overanalyze every little piece but just considering what you know right what you know and trusting that that i can trust up until this point in our relationship he's been a great man mm-hmm. and i'm gonna marry him right right <laughs> exactly exactly yeah. Yeah. and and i can almost hear some of my clients following up with this with well what if what if they you know, everything was good, but what if it was just pretend? And what if it was a mask? Because that happens right. so much. Right. And that's when I say is, who's to say that you can't acknowledge the red flags when they come up? Mm-hmm. Why can't you? Why, if the person switches up and suddenly starts treating you horribly, can't you still honor yourself even though time has mm-hmm. passed? We are not we're not like ignoring the fact that it's going to hurt and I think that's where people get like caught up when trying to make a decision but it's going to hurt yeah it will but it's probably going to hurt more if you stay right yeah it gets me to that um the 
kind of piece from um, Brene Brown about vulnerability that mm-hmm. she talks about this in a lot of her work about vulnerability in the sense that we don't know how people will respond right. when we're vulnerable. That's mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. makes it vulnerable. <laughs> yes. Right? Like that's what makes these decisions difficult and mm-hmm. scary, right? Because we just don't know if, you know, yeah, they've been great up until this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, frankly, we don't know. You could right. marry them and they could be a completely different person. Yeah. But right now, we can only make the decision that we can with the information that we have. Yes. You took the words right over my mouth. I say it's like you're a fly on the wall in my, my sessions. My dad says that to me yeah. all the time. He's always like, You don't like, know yeah. what you don't know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that, that was beautiful. You have to take the information that's already in front of you mm-hmm. and make a decision with that. Exactly. That's all we can do. Exactly. And that's part of trusting your gut mm-hmm. is taking that information and knowing that you can only make the best decision that you can with that information. And the harsh cold reality of life is that things can change yes absolutely. things can change and that fucking sucks yep I talk about that a lot with my my clients who are kind of in the dating verse mm-hmm. similar to your wedding example um where it is that fear of like well what if I am wrong what if I've been misinterpreting mm-hmm. this relationship the whole time or what if they cheat on me what if they break up with me what if they break my heart and rob me of all my money right <laughs> what have you right, right? like right. all of these worst case scenarios and my question to them is, and they hate me for it, is <laughs> what if they do? Right. I, what We can't know that. Mm-hmm. They might. I, I, I'd like to think that they won't. Right. But we don't But we don't know. And knowing that we don't know, would you rather l- lean into the joy that you're feeling now mm-hmm. and hope that you can trust and build, this per- build with this person and know that you can survive if something awful does happen? Mm-hmm. Or would you rather stay alone and miserable by yourself and not just have love and ifs. connection just mm-hmm. because of those what ifs and that's not to say you should go put yourself in right, awful relationships right. just to not be alone but that's really the ultimate cost is mm-hmm. we're talking about connection here and if the connection is good now and it mm-hmm. feels good now we can't really worry about the what ifs because nobody goes into a relationship or a marriage or a connection mm-hmm. believing at least i don't think believing worst case scenario right Absolutely. like i didn't marry my husband thinking well he might cheat on me someday Right. Like I'm going into it thinking like, no, we're really in this together and committed and that's yes. why I'm marrying him. Yes. But I also know rationally in my head that shit happens. Yeah. And that's terrifying. But it's better to be with him now yes. and face that that terror in the future if something bad does happen. Absolutely. You know, like yeah. I hate to put that out there, you know, but yeah, it's that's part of life. <laughs> it is. It is. And I, and I always um, I think that, again, people have this tendency to turn inwards for an explanation. Mm -hmm. Um, People also try to find rationale behind something that's irrational. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's, you know, it's not going to be your fault if this person decided to do something that was really horrible because they probably wouldn't be able to give you an explanation that you feel is enough Mm -hmm. or that would be validating. Mm -hmm. um, Oftentimes you have to find those explanations by yourself Mm -hmm. and no, it does not lie with you. It does not lie in you. It's Mm -hmm. not because you were a bad, you could do all the right things with the wrong people. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, life unfortunately is that unpredictable relationships do require some risk Mm -hmm. there is a risk factor there is risk and it takes two I think that that's the other scary (laughs) the other scary part Mm -hmm. is that because it takes two you're right sometimes shit happens and it just doesn't make any sense for any good Mm -hmm. reason 
think there are a lot of times where relationships fall apart and it doesn't feel like it makes sense. But part of the reason it doesn't feel like it makes sense is because we're unwilling to look inward mm-hmm. and see kind of what happened. Right. And part of the way that we can do that is if the other person allows us in in that. Yeah. Um, that we're putting our trust in them to communicate to us if they're dissatisfied. Yeah. That we're putting our trust in them to communicate if they need more of something, mm-hmm. if they need less of something, if they're irrit- irritated or bothered by something, if they're feeling resentful. And so if they don't let us in on that, sometimes it can feel like, where the hell did this come from? Right. And that's confusing and that can be really difficult. And sometimes through like therapy and introspection, right, we can kind of come to like, well, you know, maybe they were upset with me because of this or we mm-hmm. didn't align in these ways. But we can always kind of focus that back in, in ourselves in a more positive way of like, but they also weren't that person for you. Like if that's right. what they needed and they didn't communicate it and mm-hmm. it's not something that you were able to meet or aligns with who you are, what you need or what you want, then they weren't your person anyway. And yep. Not in a toxic, positive way, but in a kind of finding right. peace way. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think that's important is that um, when you're when you are in the right place, you get to be your authentic self. The mm-hmm. more authentic you are, the more people are you're going to attract people who are mm-hmm. loving your authentic self. Yeah. You know, and and that comes with that comes with all too. You know, yeah. is we're we're not expected to be perfect. I think that's where a lot of people kind of trip up in relationships. Is they think that they got to be perfect in order to hook this person in. The problem is that you can't keep that up if that's not who you are. So after a while, the mask drops, and mm-hmm. then you're both confused because you're both dealing with parts of you, parts of yourselves that you had no idea existed. Mm-hmm. It is better to just be authentic self from the beginning, right? And there's like beauty in some of that imperfection mm-hmm. right like not to get all like mushy and woo mm-hmm. but it's just like that's part of being human and it's right. just so fucking beautiful to know that people can be authentic and attuned and just true to themselves in Mm -hmm. that imperfection like leaning into the fact that nothing in life is for sure or a hundred percent or predictable and life is messy yeah life is hard and we can either be with each other in those really vulnerable moments and see each other through it um, or we can all kind of just hide in our own shells and out of self-preservation and just Mm -hmm. disconnection and um that was a really interesting segue from talking about (laughs) gut instincts but I think it really brings in this like more holistic idea of what a gut instinct is or Mm -hmm. gut intuition is um that it's really a more whole body spiritual and like intuition based experience Experience. than like an algorithm of knowing like what the right decision is right right there is no like guideline to this there is no print out handout that tells you what's the difference it's it's absolutely and it's different for everybody everybody's gonna have their own level of attunement and it's okay to go by what you know Mm -hmm. and I think that statement releases maybe a lot of the shame associated with following someone like with following your gut is you 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 don't know what you don't know so Mm -hmm. if you're if you're wrong then there's there's a chance for repair right we've talked about this for um I'm pretty sure this is in one of our episodes (laughs) probably all right like (laughs) communication and also having healthy relationships that 
in though in a healthy relationship there's always an opportunity for repair yeah and so let yourself you know allow yourself to be repaired with and and mm-hmm. offer repair and for so. and yeah self-compassion forgiveness yes. for yeah. making a, a decision that that you know with only the limited information that we had right could, could be you know that it came out the way that it did yes. right that yes you know life is full of full of risks and it sounds so cliche all of this sounds so cliche to me but it's just it's so true mm-hmm. there's I mean there's truth in those cliches and um it just always I have to laugh about it because it makes me like when I talk about these cliches with clients and talking Mm -hmm. about these uncertainties of like, well, life is messy and Mm -hmm. you know, there are just, there are things that we're uncertain about and there's risk and vulnerability and we just don't know. Um, I always laugh and my clients are, you know, I'm like, well, I'm pulling out the therapist card. Um, and, but, but I can't get around saying those things. There's Mm -hmm. just no other way to put it that we really have to, come to a place of acceptance and, and trusting our internal experiences. And the more that we trust and, and are in tune with those internal experiences, the more people will respond to those too. Mm-hmm. That if you come to somebody and you're kind of like, oh, I, I don't know. I mean, just really not sure about this decision. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's too soon for us to be in a relationship. Uh, I, don't yeah. know. I don't know. Maybe I should quit my job. I don't really But if you come to people and are, you know, confident in – this is the I've thought this over I've really considered my options and I really think that it's best for me to leave this job Mm -hmm. people are going to be much more um receptive absolutely it doesn't mean that they'll always be accepting right but they will hear it Mm -hmm. differently um than kind of this waffling and I know it's hard to not be in that place but um when we can really just trust ourselves and trust that we are learning to listen to that gut and sometimes that means failing along the way yeah, absolutely. learning to trust that gut because we can only do it by practicing. Right, right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh man, yeah. I knew that I could talk about this topic <laughs> and that I'd be able to kind of clear, and it feels much more clear now. So thank you for that because yeah. I will absolutely be bringing this back to my group on Monday. Yeah. And what is that group? Um, that group is um, how to begin healing from relationships. So I talk Amazing. any everything from attachment theory. Um, I'm you know, last week was boundary work. Uh, next week is forms of communication, assertive mm-hmm. communication, interpersonal effectiveness skills, relationship red and green flags. Love. And then I'm ending it with, so, you know, here is a little bit on surviving the narcissistic cycle of abuse and the difference between, you know, um, narcissism and toxicity. Um, and yeah, and awesome. it's kind of like a throwing it out there to see but it's my bread and butter and so I've gotten some pretty good feedback so far well if that group I know it's a psycho ed group so it's kind Mm -hmm. of structured in that way but if you decide to run it again in the future certainly plug it here that'd be awesome absolutely if you're in Connecticut (laughs) yes if you're in Connecticut because I'm only licensed here yes absolutely um well as a reminder um feel free to rate review and subscribe i did see that we had some ratings on apple so i really appreciate that yes um certainly feel free to continue rating and sharing and um following along we really appreciate it and as always don't hesitate to hesitate to interact with us on social media we're at sincerely two imperfect therapists you can also shoot us an email sincerely two imperfect therapists that's the number two at gmail.com and until next time sincerely two imperfect therapists. therapists